powered from the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 240 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Jared Trudeau of Christoph Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Delos Ray Cigars. Delos Ray Cigars has introduced another chapter of the saga, the saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Aloha and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade color wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. Available in three sizes at affordable price, ask your retail for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa Nestle, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of the JFR, if I'm going to take Guardian of Farm or Casa Fernandez cigars, you'll experience a unique taste and aroma that makes Aganor Salif special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganor Salif. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. Available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 240. Today is Thursday, September 8th, 2022. Will Cooper, I am in the Panorama Scott Studios on the Black Stage tonight, and I'm joined Cross country by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. Hey, doing a night, Will? I'm not too and too bad. How about you? I'm doing good. Not too bad at all. Can't, uh, you know, Philly's just blew another one to the Marlins. <laughs> That's all right. The ones you almost said can't, can't complain. You almost said can't <laughs> complain. <laughs> uh, I did. I did. Uh, and yeah, let's just welcome him in right now. Welcome Jared uh, Trudeau and, uh, to the show of Christoph Cigars. Jared, welcome back to primetime. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Aaron. Good to be back. Absolutely. Um, um, you're a Red Sox guy, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Guys, you guys have had your own problems this year. So <laughs> yeah, 16 and a half games back, namely, number one amongst our problems. Um, yeah, yeah. We have had our own problems. Yeah, no, no that's true. I, 
It's not, but it's, it's, I don't rage like you rage. There's nobody that, there's nobody that really takes the fan base on their back like you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this like Kapler thing right now. I'm like, I'm like, like steaming because there's more milestones that are going to happen. Like my prediction of them not winning 90 games is next. Them missing the playoffs comes next. And then them going below 500 for the season comes next. So there, there's plenty of, uh, how can I put it? I'm Runway. fired up about this right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting all these guys back who told me, yeah, because I took it on the chin last year when he won 107 games. <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, uh, I think the, the Mets are shaping up to maybe pull another full of Phillies again. Um, they, I just was listening to someone and they're really worried about the Mets actually um, not winning this division. The New York sportscaster actually is really worried. Like, yeah, and now it's a sprint at this point. Yeah, it's been a good year of baseball, though. It has. It has. I mean, it was good because you know it looked like it was going to be a, um, a except for Aaron. I don't. But Aaron doesn't really have a team, right? We didn't. I, there was no expectations for the A's this year to like compete. So I'm right. not worried about it. <laughs> no, that's an honorable, long-suffering type yes. of fandom to have. It's respectable. Right. It's very yeah. respectable. <laughs> you know, they but they always bounce back the A's. They don't they don't go into the doldrums for a long period of time. Yeah, they, they build up the farm system so that it's crazy and then they can, you know, compete for a few years and then they dump everybody and build the farm system up again. So it's just a little cycle. The, the difference is this is without Billy Bean now this time. So that's going to be the yeah. part that's a little different. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. You know, Jared, uh, I was actually um, a couple weeks ago up in your old neck of the woods, um, up in New England. Um, I was seeing the pictures. I was seeing the pictures. You were with my 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 very dear friends at Joyles and uh, all up on Federal Hill and everything. It looked awesome. I'm going oh. back in two weeks. Yeah, no, it's great. I didn't get a lot of time with, with Stogie Santa. Uh, he had his wife was under the weather a bit, so normally I stay out at his house, but I did get one day with him in at least. Um, but he had actually hooked me up on way to go in Federal Hill. Um, so, um, I actually got to go there twice to Federal Hill. So, um, yeah, but, there's but, nothing like it. I think it's the best food in the country in that, in that uh, little state. I look, I've grown up in little Italy, you know, in my backyard and I put Federal Hill there or better. I mean, I got, it's, it's, it's incredible. The food there, I feel like it's like what little Italy in New York should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to get around. It's easy to park. It's easy to do everything that you want to do. Unlike little Italy in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's not just Italian food. It's, it's uh, seafood and bistros and like everything, everything is really, I, I, that's the number one thing I miss moving to Texas is if I'm not in the mood for a taco or a rib or a brisket, <laughs> yeah. uh, I I'm, I'm shit out of luck here. Yeah. You know, no. there's, there's nothing else good. Oh, I, I, I would bet, but you know, cause you have, it's hard to explain Aaron, but it's a very niche neighborhood. Yeah. What it is. They have, um, there's a cigar store right on that block, the main street. And it's like the kind of cigar store. It reminds you of Satriali's okay. uh, where they're all smoking outside. It's, it's right. So they have a lounge inside, but they're all smoking outside. Yeah. Um, and it was, I actually went there to get butane. Because I needed butane for the week. I knew I was going to be up there for a while. So um, I actually went there to get butane. Um, it was just easy. I had stopped there for a sandwich you know, on my way up to Massachusetts, which is the worst state to smoke in, Jared. Uh, probably next to With, Without question. Oh, without question. I mean, Especially I mean, in Boston. 
Like yeah. I, have, I always have people that, you know, text me or call me buddies who are like, oh, we're going to the Boston for the first time. Where do I smoke? I'm like, um, there's like one place <laughs> that's, that's where the tourists would be that you could go. And that's Stanza. And that's it. There's no, there's other stuff in the outskirts, but Boston used to be a great place to smoke. Oh, I know. Um, I remember but, telling me stories about it. Yeah. Cigar masters and Churchill's and there used to be a lot of really great stores out there. And now they're just, uh, the city has just cracked down on it in a big way, but Stanza is still an iconic place to have a cigar, go to Mike's pastries, get a cannoli, go down and an espresso, go down, have a drink down there. It's, it's still great. Nice. Nice. And then I, I went up to, uh, uh, Dave's, I went to two of his stores. Um, I went up to Salem and then I, he took me over to Nashua. Um, and that's like, you know, those stores are really strategically placed by the Massachusetts border. There's no question about it. Yeah. They're both on exit one. Yeah. <laughs> he has a store in exit one on all of the three major highways exiting Massachusetts. Yeah. Because he used to have like eight stores in Boston. So he, when the city passed the tax, he was like, Oh, I'm out. And exit one and all the three highways. And open this right. You know, when I went up there to Salem, I was expecting this like quaint New England type town. Um, and I saw it was very much the opposite. It's very much like a, a strip mall, modern shopping centers um, type of town. And if you drive a little past two guys to the Massachusetts border on the uh, federal highway, all of a sudden you get into Massachusetts and it's like, everything's like broken down. The roads are bad. There's rundown houses. <laughs> and you can see how they profited from all the business. I think in New Hampshire, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if you go in his parking lot, any given day, it's, it's exactly like he predicted. It's a, it's a hundred cars, all with Massachusetts plates. Yeah. On, yeah. You know, cause they're dodging the, the prohibitive taxes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so, but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing I just was telling people too, is with Joyles that he said, uh, what a store he set up in, uh, Rhode Island. I mean, that's for sure. And there's some good stores, you know, in Rhode Island. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And they're doing so well. They're absolutely killing it out there. And they're some of my favorite people. I've known them for ever and ever and ever. So, um, yeah, I'm so excited to see what they've been able to do out there. Yeah, it's funny. They were talking to me. I said, you know, the one thing we did wrong. I said, yeah, you didn't build your humidor big enough. And they said, yep. I said, but I think everyone has that problem when they build a when they build a new place. I think everyone just underestimates the humidor size. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing because they came from that little cash wrap, you know, which in, in the liquor store that they had tons of facing stacked in. And that humidor must have looked like a palace when they first moved out of the out of the cash wrap and into that. Yeah. And it's full. It's full. Yeah. They still have uh, the back rooms um, like they used to store stuff in a back room at the old place. This they go down to the catacombs and they have a they have a they have a I don't want to say a warehouse, but a major storage area. Uh, they have for like all their other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a great shop. Yeah, a lot of great shops in Rhode yeah. Island. Yep, yeah. no, yeah, Rhode Island's pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, then it, when the weather just to close it out, uh, I walked out except for some rain a couple of nights, but uh, it was uh, really not overly hot. So, I, and then I, I guess the week after, they all got flooded up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out of this heat in a couple of weeks and and having nice, you know. 60 degree evenings and stuff like that. So, right. right. So, yeah. So, um, are you going up there for Christoph or for pleasure? Um, well, neither. Um, it's, it's, 
<laughs> I have some fa- I have some family stuff that I need to do um, in Rhode Island for the first few days of our trip. My wife hasn't been back to Rhode Island since we moved okay. to Texas maybe four years ago. Um, so she wants to go back and, and see my family and everything like that. I obviously want to go back and see my family. And then um, I've got one event that I'm doing up in uh, the White Mountains, or not the White Mountains, up in the Adirondacks okay. um, at Queen, Queensbury Cigar and Pipe. I want to um, get to that store. It's, it's like on my uh, list yeah. to try to get to that one. Yeah. It's an awesome, awesome store. It's like a 3,000 square foot log yeah. cabin in the Adirondacks. It's gorgeous. Um, so I'm going up there um, for uh, an event that they're doing, but it's also my, my family is coming because my mom has some festival or something like that that she's doing. Um, yeah, it's going to, so it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Yeah. Uh, it's the Saratoga area, Aaron, which is kind of mm-hmm. north of Albany. It's, it's fantastic up there. Yeah. yeah, I just have not been to that store. I haven't been to Saratoga in a long time either. So, uh, but I've heard so many things about um, that store. And 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 Jared, you guys don't do a lot of like single store releases, but you guys have a you, you guys did one that twenty fifth anniversary one for them. Yeah, yeah, we did the QCP for yeah. them for their anniversary, um, and I think it was I want to say it was a vengeance blend. It, um, yes, I think it was. And it, it was really, it was really, really good. And it, it went really, really well. So yeah, we, we do occasionally, I mean, we'll do whatever. If somebody asks us to do something, as right. long as they want to buy the quantity that right. would justify us interrupting our production schedule, oh, we'll do almost anything. We're, we're pretty flexible with people, but it's not something with the current environment of the supply chain. It's not something we're like actively trying sure. to do. You know I, what I mean? I, I understand that as, uh, for definitely sure as well. Um, yeah, so no, it's, it's, uh, like I said, first of all, great to have you back. And, um, it's, like I say, I think it's been a while since we've had you on a show. I think if you were on, it was like early pandemic. If, if that. Maybe, maybe. I think you, yeah. I know it's been a while since Aaron and I had you on. I know, I think Bear and I may have had you on like, like right at the cusp of the pandemic. I'm thinking so. Uh, um, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long time. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah. So let's get into some things, because I think for if you're a Kristoff fan in 2022, you have quite a bit to look forward to um, because you guys you guys had a lot at the show this year. I think that um, some stuff I knew about and even one surprise. So um, I guess I'll kick it right off and um, I'll talk about uh, you guys did a PCA exclusive this year. Yeah, we did do a PCA exclusive. Um, It was a box press Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. Um, and it had some of probably the best looking um, livery that we've done on a cigar in a, in a while. And the cigar is absolutely excellent. Um, we love working with Broadleaf um, and, and getting it. It's absolutely out, outstanding and it sold extremely well. We sold out of it by the end of the show. So um, we're really happy with those PCA exclusives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, obviously, you know, I'm a, huge fan of the vengeance uh which is a a broadleaf as well um so i was kind of excited to see that you guys had a a broadleaf box press i guess i i know i've mentioned this to you before but it seems like you guys it's not that you don't do box presses but it seems like you save your box presses for the special stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so whether it's taa pca your cigar that's where i've noticed uh I only could think of one example where you guys had a, a box press. That was the old Intenso. 
Intensivo? Yeah. 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 That was the only yeah. other one I could think of. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like doing, I think for me and for, I think a lot of people, uh, box press is a really like special, interesting size. Um, it feel, I just think it feels really good. Like the, like the reason I did the JT in the box press was just because it wouldn't roll off the table that I always right. used to set it down on. <laughs> and so it wasn't like some like artisanal reason. It was just, just I function. was tired of my function. Yeah, yeah, it was like pure function. Um, but I also, on top of that, a lot of the cigars that I really, really love out there that we don't make are box press cigars. So I figured it would be a cool thing to, to start doing with not only with the JT and when that went really well, we went to uh, doing it as our TAA exclusive because again, it presents really special and really well. And it looks different than, to your point, to the, than the rest of the Kristoff line, which is what we want to do with these one-off limited kind of uh, show exclusives. So right. um, it kind of fit the whole thing. You know, a lot of people with the show exclusives, I mean, I think they had to really have a compelling, I mean, I think you guys gave more of a compelling reason to come with that release. Um, it just wasn't, an ordinary cigar it's it's, it's broadleaf um i mean were you guys a lot of thought went into obviously what was the thought that went into obviously making something a pca exclusive because sometimes i see some companies just check the box and it's like oh we're doing a pca exclusive and this is what it is but it seemed like you know from talking to glenn at the show it, it seemed like that there was a lot of thought put into this one yeah well the good thing is with the with the pandemic and and a couple of years without releasing new product, which was like a philosophy thing. You know, it was like, we're, we're business people and we, we did, how can we in good faith try to sell a customer something that they're not asking for by coming out with new product when we can't sell them the stuff that they are asking for and their right. customers are asking for. So I just think it seems like intellectually dishonest to do it, to, to have come out with a bunch of stuff when we had back orders and, and things like that. So, um, now that we're hopefully on the other side of things, we wanted we had a lot of time uh, to work on these new releases. We didn't stop working on new stuff during the pandemic. We we just had time to do it without interrupting the supply chain. So um, that's why we had a pretty um, a, a bigger than normal year this year in terms of new product and things like that. So we got to focus on the PCA exclusive a lot. Also, the fact that like uh, the fact that I got nominated to the board and, and elected this year also, uh, you know, kind of solidified us doing a PCA exclusive and trying to participate in every way that we could, um, especially given some of the big wins that we've had, um, on that front. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of the philosophy. We had a lot of time to work on all these new releases. So we, we, we really, they were important to us. Yeah, no, I, I, and you guys aren't known to do a, like, I know you guys don't do a new release every year. You, you never felt compelled. I, I think what I want is looking back at the history. This was probably the most new releases I saw since I think 15 when the Cameroon, the Connecticut and the San Andreas came out. I, I, I want to say that that was probably the last time you guys did three releases at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And those were a function of discontinuing the Gallerone series. Mm -hmm. um, so those were just taking those, blends which we initially liked when we were testing them with our tobaccos and in our in our factory and um we brought that production back to our factory right and and re-released those blends so that there wouldn't be a hole in the marketplace for the people that were doing business on those SKUs. so 
Um, again, that was a more strategic reason why we released three, three cigars, but that's not our MO. Right, right, right. So this one was more of a function. You guys hadn't done some stuff in you know, a few years. I guess that made some good sense to do that as well. Um, you know, the other thing that was cool about this this PCA cigar we, is, is that it was a Perfecto. And I don't remember you guys doing a box press Perfecto. I mean, I know you guys have done Perfectos, but not a box press one. No, and that, that came from, we, we're we making a, a box press Perfecto for Kurt at uh, Twins and for his anniversary. And so we found the molds and we had them. And then we were like, you know what would probably be just as good um, in these molds was, and it would make it present really special was that, that PCA blend. So, um, we, we had just found the molds. It was fresh on the, off the presses and we're like, you know, let's, let's try to do something cool with it again. Yeah, no, I, uh, I can, uh, I'll throw the, I think I have a picture here. I'm just gonna throw it up. Cause I thought it was a very, I was pretty impressed when I looked at that cigar. Um, it was just a very impressive looking cigar. Just the whole presentation looked great on that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, I didn't see any like uh, loose tobacco in this. Is it is, was this just something for the show, or is this something you're not going to be putting loose tobacco in on it? Um, well, no, there's not going to be any loose tobacco in that skew, or um, or uh, like any of the exclusive stuff that we do, mm -hmm. um, or limited stuff. But uh, yeah, no, this this you know the funny thing about this stuff was these were production workups, so we actually had the bands in the boxes sent to us without a box label or the bands and Glenn and I sat in the booth taping uh, the bands on it the day before the trade show and trying to line yeah. everything up. And Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I hear these stories about, I've heard maybe not that, but cigars really are mock-ups for some people and then they get stolen and people kind of laugh. They said, yeah, yep. they think they actually stole a cigar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, these are the real cigars. They shipped them to us with no bands. Right. Um, but they're, they are not, uh, they're, they got tape all over them and stuff like that. So yeah, you did a good job. I'm looking at them. It's better than I would have did. So, I mean, uh, it took a long time. I can imagine <laughs> it's only the top row you guys did, right? It's that bottom row. You didn't. Yeah, no, that's not the bottom <laughs> row is pretty sus, but the, the top row is perfect. So that, that's, that's cool. what we went for. That's good. That's good. Um, when, when can folks expect to see that? So we're hoping um, next month, we're hoping to start shipping next month. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So with all the new release stuff, um, we're hoping to, to start getting it out next month. But that, that's we've, cool. we've got to manage. We've still got to manage through all these, uh, the, the supply chain stuff. So, and I think we're better than most in terms of, uh, of back orders and, and our ability to fulfill our POs, but it's still, uh, you know, three weeks, which is, or, or longer a lot of stuff so we right. still got to be careful about that that's good that's good um and then next up um another kind of i think you guys did a lot of like innovative type of things this year at the show so you know we just that box press perfecto with the broadleaf again something you haven't really seen from christoph you did a line extension to the cameroon um and i thought it was an interesting one because it was it's a bellicoso but it was a small bellicoso it's a tiny, yeah. what was it, 40, 49 by four? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's a small, I don't have a great picture of it, but but a small one. Um, talk a little about that size, and because like, that's an interesting, I, I was really intrigued by that size when, when I saw it. I'm like, that's, you know, 
I've seen a lot of short robustos, but a four by forty nine, not not your typical size by any means. Well, we've we've been seeing um, a lot of of uh, growth in when we do do, and I fucking hate saying do do in a sentence, but when, <laughs> yeah, when we do when we do uh, these figurados and these uh, these kind of perfectos and Salomones and stuff like that, people seem to really kind of geek out over it. Um, so the Cameroon is Cameroon's my favorite rapper. Um, and I, we, we really wanted to do something cool with this. And one of our reps actually said, you know what it would smoke great in, in one of these little kind of bellicoso figurato sizes. Right. And, um, so we ended up going, we ended up going with that. Um, and it's at a great price point. I think it's like seven fifty or something like that. And right. Star just smokes outstanding. So we were, uh, kind of to, borrow ten, uh, Terrence's word we're kind of validated um when we started smoking when we started smoking some of these um they're really really good so um, no uh, and it did we we killed it with it at the trade show too people loved it so I can imagine I thought it was like I said I saw a size I'm like I mean I knew this was one of the reasons I didn't know about but I'm like this is a cool size I'm like um I, like I said I just thought it was something different you know um mm-hmm. and I I, I don't know. This is me. I tend to like Cameroon in shorter cigars for whatever reason. Me um, too. I, yeah. Me too. I don't know what it is, but like if I have like a, like I'll prefer a Robusto over a Toro in a Cameroon. I just don't know what it is. I, I can't explain it, but this is, seems to be my thing. So, so I thought that was really cool to, to see that. Yeah. And it, did you get to smoke one? No, I did. Oh, well. You ask you talk to me, right? Well, <laughs> That's so my we, we so That's here's what bad, happened. Guys. No, but Very okay. Sorry. So here's what happened. we went to the booth, and you were with with the how about that cigar guys, and we just we, we were about to come. We said, all right, we'll come back, and then we Glenn grabbed us. So we ended up talking to Glenn while you guys were talking. Oh, that's better. That's better. That's an upgrade, guys. <laughs> well, he didn't give us the cigars. <laughs> No, it was yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it was like I think you, and That's I know you guys are like the last boost. We went day one last, but last we were the last boost too. So, um, yeah, we just it just happened to be. He he said, yeah, I can talk to you. You know, he saw us and we were going, and he said, um, yeah, no, we we got Glenn. So like, okay, listen, I understand, Will. It's the content, you know. You got to be ruthless. You got to be. <laughs> well, ruthless. I was gonna. I, I we're, yes, we're I old friends, Will, but you got to cut. Me I, out. I, you know, <laughs> you with the how about the cigar guys? I mean, uh, you guys. Are, yeah. <laughs> lounging around at the table and <laughs> no they're good guys they're good guys so no, 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 it was like, uh, we didn't want to interrupt them so it just like i said was one of those ways it worked out uh so yeah that was the th- and then the third one was now i thought this was one of the coolest releases i saw until i heard the reason behind it and then i felt bad right um the guardrail yeah um i i was like i said before I even knew about the blend, I, I looked at that cigar and I'm like, this is a really, really good cigar. And then Glenn tells me the whole story about this. And I'm like, I'm feeling terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's something that we're going to probably have to reconcile over time. <laughs> this right. is, is how with this release, can we tell the story in a way that it doesn't bum everybody out? Right. No, but I didn't, oh, the, I didn't know. I didn't even know about it. Yeah. Yeah. The intention wasn't to bump people out. It's a celebration of kind of him getting through what happened and how scary it was and, and, and the whole thing. And uh, yeah. And it comes with some of the coolest tobacco that we've ever bought. Um, And we have been working with this tobacco for, I, I, it's gotta be at least two or three years now to get to the point where we could use it in a way that it made sense. 
blending around this tobacco is really, so it's, uh, I'm just saying tobacco. Uh, so it's, Bur it's from the Burma Valley in Zimbabwe. Um, and it's a really mm -hmm. unique growing region. I don't know that anybody else outside in the premium business has been working with this tobacco or has worked with it before um, as African tobaccos are, are really unusual. Um, and what's even more unusual is the African tobacco everybody knows to be not unusual is Cameroon, which is almost always uh, a presenting tobacco. It's almost always like a, a, a wrapper. Rapper, yeah. um, so with this tobacco, it's really, really toothy. It's, it's really, really rich. It's really unusual. And it would just not be, it's, it, we worked on trying to blend some stuff with it as a wrapper and it just did not work. I mean, it just, it, it wasn't, um, it didn't present particularly well. And the flavor was just really hard to blend around and balance. Um, so we started incorporating it into the filler and we're like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And it just took us a really long time on this, but this was, this is a really cool project. And I, I think we'll end up doing um, more with this tobacco, maybe a release that focuses more on it um, so that people can kind of get the profile a little bit better. But this is a blended, this is, this is used in the, uh, with Dominican fillers as well. Um, and it's that Arapiraca Brazilian Maduro wrapper that we use on our original Maduro and GC and the Hero Maduro and stuff, um, which is one of our favorite wrappers to blend yep. around. Because it's it's among the more balanced um, Maduro, Maduro, it's among the more balanced uh, wrappers that that we like that we work with in that Maduro process because it it's not spicy, it's not bitter, it's not harsh, it's easy to work with, um, and it's really consistent. We've been working with the same grower for that tobacco for our, um, probably more than fifteen years, um, so it. Uh, we really love it, and and we thought it would be a really good way to deliver this flavor. Um, but it, like I said, it took us a really long time um, to work around it. I remember uh, there was a show. It wasn't. I don't think it was on our show, but another show I was on. We were talking about the concept of an African puro, and we were trying to. We couldn't find any right. Um, and then as we were talking, and just after that show. I don't remember even many cigars of any had African tobacco in it as a filler. They tend to use that Cameroon as a wrapper or binder, you know, and that's what you see. And occasionally I've seen like, man, I don't know, maybe central African fillers, not filler, but a central African tobacco wrappers. But yeah, this is, I, I could not think of another cigar that used African tobacco in the filler when I, when I was looking at this. And I, even when the, after the show I went and looked and I couldn't find anything with it. So this is definitely something if someone else is doing it, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't heard of it, and certainly not from this region. Um, so it's it's really 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 uh, a special tobacco for us, and we're excited to work to work with it in uh, on different projects. I'm just not sure uh, what those are going to be yet. We were pretty busy with <laughs> with the new releases that we did do this sure. year, right? Um, and now we've got to start thinking about TAA exclusives and and other stuff like that. So um, it might be a little while before we get to it, but I'm excited to work with this tobacco. And this is an excellent project, this guardrail project. Um, it looks cool. It's totally different than a lot of uh, other Kristoff stuff that you see. This is the way that it's going to be presented um, with that kind of like road rash box talker 
uh, and in, in keeping with um, our tradition, it is almost illegible, uh, the box talker. And then we also, but I think it looks amazing and you can see it. I'm just, yeah, um, yeah. It, but, the picture doesn't do it justice, folks. Uh, no, there's a glare. Yeah. You, know, you don't ever glare. go to Scar Coop for the pictures. Just the no, 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 no. He, <laughs> Thanks, he's Aaron. walking around like a, he's walking around like a tourist yeah. with, uh, with a Polaroid around his neck and uh, yeah. in <laughs> with a brother printer. Uh, but no, it, it looks it looks really good. And then uh, you can't see the box label, which Coop doesn't think is important when showing a new product. But that that also has a cool kind of like winged logo, kind of talking about the guardian angel concept that Glenn went over with the story. It's, it's really cool. And I couldn't, great in that story. lighting was, t- I mean, I gotta tell you that lighting was really hard. I'm just I, busting your pulse. No, I know that not, was hard. With this, this is not an indictment. Yeah. And it was like, sometimes I'll ask folks to take it out of the, the case, but it was like four fifty or five fifty at this point on day one, you know, I, I wasn't going to start having you take apart cases at this point, you know, so or, or Glenn. So I was like, we just let it go at that point. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it is really exciting. Um, like I said, I felt I'm glad Glenn is OK. That was the most important thing. Because um, I mean, every you guys kept that quiet as far as Glenn being in that motorcycle. I said, I don't think anyone knew about it. Like even after no, I was around and people I, didn't know. I had a uh, I had a, a very stern conversation with the sales reps when it happened, where I was like, look, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. This is where we're at. And if I hear about this. If one person calls me about this and they live in your market, I don't care if they heard it from the rep across the country, you're gone. Like, I am not yeah. fucking around with this. I wanted everybody, I wanted everybody uh, to be quiet. I wanted Glenn to not be bothered mm-hmm. uh, because we really, it was, it was really uh, touch and go for a while there. I mean, he hit a, a, for anyone listening, he hit a guardrail going 70 miles an hour on a motorcycle uh, while he was uh, doing an event. Uh, like a bike run event. He was an exit away from returning the bike after riding all day and a crosswind hit him and he wiped out on the highway going 70 miles oh. an hour, broke, broke legs, broke arms, broke uh, ribs, uh, just ruined his orbital socket on his face. He still doesn't have feeling on the left side of his face, uh, internal bleeding on the brain. So he couldn't fly. So his wife had to fly to Oklahoma to, driving back to Chicago with his best friend. Um, oh. I mean, it was really scary. We really didn't yeah. know what was going to happen there for a while. Um, and we didn't think that having everybody um, calling him and stuff like that was going to be helpful to his recovery. So no, no it's yeah. res- absolutely. That's the right thing to do and respect his privacy. I, I, like I said, most importantly, he, he, he is, you know, doing very well. I mean, as, as, as well as you could uh, from, from something like that. Um, so um, I'm, I, that's that's what I was glad about. Um, so, it's you know, I know it was one of those lemons to lemonade things with the cigar, but I did feel very bad when I'm looking at the cigar and I'm ooing and I, and then he tells me the story about this. And I'm like, I felt like kind of bad. I'm ooing and eyeing this cigar, how good it is. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a weird, um, weird vibe. But, um, you know, we really didn't make it to be like a doom and gloom kind of thing. It was something we never talked about. And Glenn worked really hard on this pro- on this project to um, incorporate these new tobaccos and do something special to kind of commemorate what happened to him. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. He was telling me, I guess there's little guardian angels on the bands and stuff like that. You know, like you mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a, like I said, I think it's a great project. I'm excited 
for it. Uh, it's a it's a new line, you know, definitely in uh, the Christoph portfolio. So you said all the, we could probably see all these things in the fall, which is great. Yeah, yeah, probably shipping next month. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. So yeah, no, I'm just uh, good. You know, um, in general, uh, Jared, if you take the Galeronis series out, you guys haven't really eliminated a lot of SKUs over the years. I mean, I kind of follow that. It seems like you guys have been doing very well maintaining your SKUs. Yeah, and it's because we we don't release a ton of new stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah, That's not our way to capture market share um, by releasing new product all the time and stuff like that. Um, we focus on quality and consistency and availability and and making sure that our, our inventory is able to turn um, and we can replenish it. Um, so we, we, we don't, uh, you know, cast a particularly wide net when it comes to new product releases, hoping that something's going to catch on or get a good review or get a bump. So that's, uh, we're really deliberate with our SKUs. And the only reason really, we like the blends for Galerone series um, and we remade them. You know, the DR4 yeah. became the Connecticut, the Sentido became the Habano and the, uh, or, and the Sanita uh, de Plata became the San Andres, uh, mm-hmm. all three of which are, are among our top selling SKUs. Yeah. So um, we just didn't like the way that they were being made. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Do you think the packaging was just a little too radical for the Christoph fan? Because it went away from that rough packaging into the, uh, you know, it was, it was just a different type of packaging than the than of this. Like I look at Christoph, it has a little bit of that rugged elegance is what you guys bring. Yeah, that's that's what we look for. We that's exactly. I think that's the word I got from you guys. Rust, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. Ru- rustic, yeah. rustic yeah. elegance. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's always an opportunity to try new stuff, and that was our our chance to try um, doing something more traditional in terms of the industry packaging wise with the gold foil and the piano black boxes and stuff like that. But the the cigars presented really well. They just uh, were at too high of a price point for yeah. uh, the product. I think we put in the box. Um, and so we took all the manufacturing back to our factory and, and they become some of our best selling wines. So, right. Right. No, that's, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you did a good job with that. Um, for sure. The Connecticut, I think was, I think the Connecticut really translated well. I think you guys improved the Connecticut a lot with that. Not that it was mm-hmm. bad, but I think that Connecticut's really solid right now. Uh, it's a cigar. I kind of didn't really smoke a lot of it, but lately I've, I've found myself going back to the, going to the Connecticut more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I smoke them almost every day. Um, yeah. I, I really like it. Uh, you know, the one I, the, this is my baby, you know, the, the vengeance is the one I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear and I argue on the size, but um, they're both good sizes. We'll agree. He's a perfecto guy, I'm the robusto guy with this one. Um, but like I said, they're both good sizes, uh, for sure. With that, and that, Rob- that robusto, you getting on the robusto, that was me and you sitting at, I think, burners in North Carolina and you, you would smoke the Toro. And I said, you got to try the Robusto. Robusto. I think that's my favorite size in that yeah. blend. And yeah. I gave you the Robusto and that's yeah. when it really, that's <laughs> yeah. when you started getting into that. Yeah. It, it, that's what kind of elevated. This was a uh, number two on a coupe list uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, that it elevated it for sure. And um, like I said, yeah, I was smoking the Toro and then you, you were the one I remember we were in the, we were smoking, I think in the back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you got a good memory. Uh-huh. Got a good, very good memory. Very good memory. Um, that was four, maybe four years ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. It was pre-pandemic. Yeah, was it was definitely pre-pandemic. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I love this. Um, r- yeah. The vengeance. I think you guys, um, 
Is the the TAA cigar completely different blend? Is it based off the Vengeance? It's based off of the Vengeance, but obviously oh, wow. blended to the um, yeah. blended to the to the size. Right. So right. Um, that box press that box press TAA is really really good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's or the, the 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 you're talking about PCA, the PCA, PCA right? I said to, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have TAA in my notes here because this year you guys did take a year off from the TAA. You didn't, you didn't, you guys didn't come out with something for the TAA. Didn't we? Yeah, we did the. I think we did the box press six eighty five Woodlawn this. That year. was last year, or last year. That was last we year. We didn't have. What did we do this year? We did something this year. I'm not. If it was, I think it was. I think that was this year. Let me take a look. Aaron, Aaron's going to be the fact checker here. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought the San Andreas was 20. The Woodlawn was 21. No, there wasn't a TAA at 21. But you released the San Andreas anyway, I thought. Oh, Aaron. No, we, Aaron, I, could Aaron. I could be wrong. I do not have a TAA for this year. What was this year? I was there this year. I'm sure. I'm. Sh- I'm sure we did. I'm. All right. Sure. I'm. <laughs> I. I think it was the. I think it was the. I think it was the Woodlawn because I don't think we did it in 21 or whichever year that the thing was canceled. Yeah. No, I don't have anything for this year. Hmm. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> All good. All good. Hey, I got to tell you, Jared, the one, the one you guys did for the TAA, it's still my favorite. It's the 49. The TAA 49. Oh, yeah. The yeah, me, that's really good. That, is that gone? Is that, is that one that one done now? Because that, that's a great Oh, thing. yeah, that's gone. That's oh. gone. Yeah. Can I put a wish list? <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. And I've been hard on TAA cigars. And that one, I'm telling you, was a, was a standout for me. Oh yeah, that was so good, and it was. I think we did it twice. I think yes, we you did. did. Yes, the, you did. The, I think we did it the next year because yeah. it was really popular. Um, yeah. That's a special cigar. I still have some. I actually have some of the original uh, 2008 Salomones that oh. that was a remake of. Yeah, the, way yeah. back with the. Yeah, I have some of the. I think I have two or three of those kicking around in one of my humidors somewhere. Yeah. No, that that's um, yeah, that's going way back. I remember, I think I got some of those Glendon event years ago in Charlotte, at a place it was called the Sunset Club, and I think that's where I got those. That's where I first met Glenn when I moved to for a Tinderbox. A Tinderbox, yeah, good memory. Yeah, good, again, good memory. They uh, that's where they used to do their events. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, very good. Uh, you know, Jared, another thing that kind of happened this year, and it. it it isn't a positive thing to talk about, but I think if you kind of look, you know, look at the person's career, it's certainly worth mentioning is uh, Rolando's uh, passing this year. Rolando Villamil, uh, who is uh, your, your person in the factory there. For folks who may not know about Rolando, maybe you could talk a little about him because he was obviously a very important part of what you guys did. So Rolando has been our friend and our partner and our mentor for 18 years. I mean, uh, the guy was the, he came to us when, yeah. or to, to Glenn and Terry, when they, when they were brokering cigars in Chicago and asked us to sell their cigars, uh, which was called Belmore. 
Um, and Glenn said, no, I don't want to do that, but I want you to make a cigar for me. Um, and so that's when we started working on, uh, you know, like the original, original vengeance and, uh, um, but after that, it was the Britannia and all those things. And then we came up with the original Kristoff and that's where the, the company got its name from and, and started really, that's when we started really growing legs. Um, and so Rolando was Glenn's mentor in tobacco. He was, uh, one of his best friends in the world. Um, and we just, I mean, it was just as yeah, it, it was the, the, the worst thing that, that has happened to us as a company was, uh, was Rolando passing uh, because, I mean, we trusted him and we, we cared for him as friends and, and personally. And it just, it's not, it's, it doesn't feel the same. And, and luckily, Rolando, I mean, he was in his 70s. Like he knew that, you know, retirement or something would be on the horizon. So mm-hmm. he had people that have worked for him for a long time in the factory behind him that he was teaching and mentoring as well. So we haven't seen a change in quality or the product or anything like that, but man, uh, blending a cigar, it was always flying out to Santiago. Rolando picks you up in the middle of the night, go out to dinner at Pedro's and smoke cigars and get way too drunk and then go to the factory hungover the next morning and have a Presidente and then start blending together in his office and sitting in his office without him is just the weirdest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he, he, and for people that don't know who Rolando was or about him, I mean, he, he was never uh, like a public guy no. in the cigar business. He, he wasn't, he didn't want to be like a public speaker or the face of anything. Um, but he's worked with Ernesto Carrillo and Hanky Kellner and everybody that you can imagine. Uh, in the Dominican Republic would would say great things about him because he just was a legend down there. Um, and we were really fortunate and blessed to work with him for as long as we did. And uh, I just wish we uh, I, I, I wish we had more time with him, you know, um, but it, that was a that was a really big loss for us, you know. Yeah, I mean, I it happened right before Pro Cigar. And then when I went down to Pro Cigar, even though Rolando wasn't necessarily a uh, a member of Pro Cigar, so many people were mentioning him to me. Um, and it, there was a lot of conversations I had about it, uh, about him. So, um, you know, he was definitely respected uh, among his peers, you know. And, you know, a lot of people asked me, they said, you know, what's Christoph going to do? That was the, a lot of the questions I got because he, they knew how important he was. But it sounds like you guys are comfortable in the hands it is right now. Um I guess the most important question is, you know, the factory relationship's not changing, right? So as far as you guys still have this factory you, you can use, because sometimes when maybe things change hands, that's an issue, but it sounds like you have no problems with that. No, we're, we're 90% of the production of the factory, if not mm-hmm. more. Um, right. So we, we there as much as uh, they, dr- they drive our business, we drive their business. Yeah. Um, so the relationship um, hasn't changed. Um, and um we, we don't want it to, you know, we, we really, we, we love the people that we have down there. Rolando's sister uh, is our CFO down there uh-huh. um, and his niece uh, works there and, uh, and everything like that. So um, we, we really respect and love the people down there. And as long as his people are, are in place down there, we, we don't have it. We're in good hands because our relationship with them is, is really good. And as long as we don't see, We've obviously stepped up our quality control and things like that. Um, but 
as long as things don't change, we 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 want to stay keeping those people because there's a lot. That's a lot of jobs, you right? Know? Right. Also, uh, so just as a as a human being, independently a, big, a business person, um, if we leave that factory, they don't have a factory anymore. Sure. Um, sure. So that's what that's what that's what we care about. You know, we want to make sure we take care of our people, and that's what Rolanda would want to. Yeah. So that's what we're focusing on now. It seems like it's been like I said. It seems like you know you've had a very solid relationship. I mean, there was one point where you, you did, you did another brand of Gallerance was done at a different factory, probably you guys eventually went back to what's work, what worked for you. Um, and that, it seems to be very, very healthy as far as that goes. So I think that's good that, you know, that you guys are doing that. Um, Glenn, Glenn was actually very hands-on with these blends from what you've told me. And what he's told me is, you know, he, he's been very hands-on developing these blends with Rolando. Yeah, he does everything with Rolando. Um, nothing comes to market that Glenn doesn't have his hands on. That's really what Glenn does. He's the he's kind of the artisan behind the tobacco, behind the yep. cigars. In, uh, working closely with Rolando and everybody there at the factory. So that's really what Glenn's responsibilities are. In addition to you know being the face of the company and sure. and and managing everything. Like he 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 really his work center is the product development and making sure that the product is right because that's his name, you know? Yeah. So. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely see that for sure. Uh, I did meet Terry for the first time at the show this year. She was very nice. I never met her before. So I know she's, she's big a, around. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. She, so she, she's the reason that there is a Kristoff, you know, exactly. Kind of, she, she, uh, Glenn went and helped her when she was brokering cigars in Chicago and joined her, her and her father, Vince's, brokerage um and vince was a legend in the cigar business during the boom and and thereafter his relationships are still in place with uh, a lot of these accounts you know where uh glenn will walk in and uh you know they'll say where's terry you know or where's vince you know and still there after all these years so um yeah terry terry knows uh, quite a bit about the business and is instrumental in, in keeping us alive um she's not involved in the business now but she uh she keeps us alive and in good spirits at the trade show the whole time. We would right. not have a good show without her. So, right. And she got into the cigar business before Glenn did actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of a, that's always an interesting little factoid as well. You know, as far as like you mentioned, you know, we were talking about this tobacco from um, Zimbabwe. Um, was Rolando procuring this tobacco? Was, how are you guys, was Glenn involved with procuring that? Um, you know, so I'm kind of curious what, what's the involvement as far as tobacco selection goes. Yeah, so we, so Rolando and the purchasing team there, um, and work with us in terms of forecasting and stuff like that. But we, because we've been in business for 18 years now, we have uh, certain growers that we work with, certain processors that we work with, and then when we do these one-off projects like the Cameroon and things like that, which has now become a Coraline product. Um, we we uh, will buy at auction. We'll buy from processors. We'll do, but but the vast majority of our line is working with the same farms and the same families and the same production, where we buy a percentage of their yield every year, so that we can maintain consistency across the years. But yeah, Glenn's involved in. Um, he has the final stamp of approval on on the tobaccos that we use and and whether they're a good fit, you know, for for our blends, but. There's really, because like you said, we don't discontinue a lot of stuff. There's very little reason. If we find a tobacco that we like and a processor and we use the same processors, there's very little reason for us to uh, 
to jump in and say, oh, well, you know, we have to prove this every year when we work with the same grower for 15 years. You know? right. So we work on vetting the producers and the, and the processors and, and, uh, and try to stay consistent with our product. Got it. Got it. Um, the JT signature, um, is that now on a regular offering? No, it's, it's still, we kind of got cucked by the pandemic. Right. Um, because the idea for that skew was we were going to any, when I traveled around and did events and stuff like that, the stores that that did the event with me and my rep would, would be able to then sell the product afterwards would be the end. And that was as a thank you to them for supporting us and for supporting the skew. There's some level of exclusivity around it. Um, but then, uh, you know, the pandemic happened and it was, uh, we weren't able to do that. Um, obviously, because I wasn't going to travel around a hazmat suit trying to sell cigars to people. So um, what it ended up being was we just asked our friends. <laughs> That's kind of how it started, was the stores that we have really good relationships with that have supported us really strong over the years. Um, as we, as our reps traveled around, they said, hey, we've got this SKU um, that's exclusive and, and all of this stuff. Um, will, you, will you take it on? And, they, and customers were really excited about it. And now it's, it's in a, a hell of a lot more stores, I think, than we initially intended it to be right. in. Um, and so it's becoming a more regular offering for us, but it's still in select stores that I have a relationship with or, or we have, or Christoph has a really good relationship with as a thank you to them for, you know, supporting us. That's good. That's good. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I was glad to see, yeah, I, I definitely saw it out there a lot more. That's why I was, I wasn't sure if it had gone regular production. I thought I'd ask, um, for sure. And that, but yeah, it definitely, um, you know, I, it, I think it did very well for you guys too. So it seemed like yeah, it really did. Yeah. It yeah. Really did. Yeah. I, I, I'll still say another thing. The, um, I still think the pissed off Christoph is, is probably one of the strongest cigars I've ever smoked still. Um, <laughs> And uh, I actually finally this year smoked the extremely pissed off Christoph. And I think this cigar had a, it was given to me with a couple of years of age on it. And uh, it's still pretty strong is what I'll just tell you. <laughs> yeah. You think that size would kind of trim yeah. it down, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not blended. Like it, I think it's really easy to make cigars that people say are strong because they taste bad. Um, that, no, this is, no, this is strong. This, in this is mellow. It's, yeah. it's pretty medium bodied. And I have, I have so many people say, Oh, the pissed off's not strong, and I'm like, well, it is. You just you're not you're not getting kicked in the face, you know. Like just you know, stand up a little bit later after you finish it and tell me that it doesn't have uh, you know a high nicotine content or or a strong profile. But yeah, I don't smoke a lot of those because I have like much more mild medium palate, you know. Um, but those that's still in our top ten skews. The the pissed off. Um, it's, it's a really, really good blend, but it's not bitter or harsh or spicy or kick you in the teeth strong. It's strong, like power. Yeah. Uh, it, tra- that size translated well for me, at least because I've had the firecracker size and then I've had the extremely, I mean, there, that's a big difference in size with those two. So it seems like the blend works in different sizes, you know, well, um, which I, I wouldn't have expected that a lot of times I don't see that happen with, but that one, it did. Yeah. And that wrapper hard carries that's, that's, it looks like it's a, uh, Maduro it's really dark and, and, uh, yeah. but it's not, it's a San Andres natural, which you don't see very often. It's, uh, yeah. It is. I mean, it is fermented pretty well. It is still pretty dark, but it has yeah. not been put through a Maduro process. Um, 
And that maintains similar to like coffee, you know, the darker the roast, the less caffeine. Um, it's similar with this wrapper. So, uh, yeah, it's really, it's, it's a strong wrapper for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll advocate for Aaron here. Uh, the moderately pissed off Christoph, if you do a six and a half by 48 Churchill, <laughs> there you go. It's a good idea. It's not bad. And Aaron's not bad. Wanting that moderately pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I always say this. I love that branding because it's actually, it's it's Vitola name, line name, company name, <laughs> which is usually it's the opposite. Company line Vitola. So, you know, like under yeah. the normal scenario. Even the bands are in a different order on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was a, if it was named traditionally, it would be Christoph pissed off extremely. You know, so but I like I like that reverse scenario yeah. on that a lot. That right? doesn't it's, make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I think it, I think it was pretty cool. Uh, like I said, I remember the event where Glenn was at in Atlanta when when the guy came up to him with the idea. I didn't hear the conversation, but I know the event because I was Glenn yeah, was, was at that, event. It was I was at Cutters. Cutters, yeah, yeah. It was a guy named Ken Apple. Yeah, that was a million years ago. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was a guy. This named is like Ken fourteen. Apple I think I want to say it's fourteen or 15. yeah, yeah, fourteen. I think it was. He gave us the idea, and then we were in the Dominican Republic. And we were drinking at Pedro's with Rolando and Glenn was like, we, we had to work on some stuff that week. And Glenn was like, what was the name of that cigar that that Apple guy gave us or whatever? Right. And we were like, oh, the, the pissed off. And so we were like, oh, we'll just make it in 10 count boxes. It'll be a fun little thing that we do. And then yeah. boom, all of a sudden it's in our top, like three or four sizes are in our top 10 SKUs. It's really, really been popular for us. Yep. Well, it's, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Aaron, any other questions on brand stuff before we kind of get into some of the other stuff with uh, Jared? No, I think we got to it all. All right. So, Jared, we're going to hit you up with our uh, Cattle Baron steak question of the night, and this is related to steak. I don't think we've hit you with this question before. Thankfully, he lives in Texas. And he lives in Texas. So, <laughs> so Jared, I want to know the best steakhouse you've gone to, and it could be in Texas or not in Texas. Oh, the best steakhouse I've ever gone to. Oh, shit. Um, well, there's kind of like categories to this, you know, there's like mm -hmm. a Japanese steakhouse. That's um, fine. Like, I don't know. I think some of the best steak I've ever had, um, is Del Frisco's in Boston, the Del Frisco's double Eagle in Boston, right on the Bay, but it could be an ambiance thing because like, you know, you're outside on the Bay. They let you smoke cigars, drinking wine, having a steak. It's, it could be something like that, but I think the best steakhouse, the best steak I've ever had has been at like Nobu, like an A5 Wagyu um, at Nobu or something like that. Nice. That could be, yeah. that could be, and I know the Texas faithful are probably rolling in their graves, but I think something like that is really good. There's really good steakhouses here though. Oh, like Chamberlain's in Dallas is, yeah. outstand, is outstanding. You can smoke cigars and drink and smoke. Uh, and eat a steak at the same time, and the food is great there. It's not expensive, but I, I would say probably Nobu, either Nobu Fifty Seven um, in Manhattan or uh, the Nobu in Vegas. I think would be some of my. Some I haven't my been favorites. to Nobu at all. It's a or Chamberlain's. There are actually two on my list. I would love to go to at some point. No, um, come to Dallas. I'll, we'll go to Chamberlain's together. It's, I'm in. It's really good. I'm in. I'm going to hold you to that. The uh, now, if you're traveling, what I'll recommend is if you go to Myrtle Beach, 
uh, there's New York Prime, and it's a very good steakhouse, but you can smoke there as well. Oh, Red in Miami. Red in Miami is outstanding. I haven't been there either. Oh, man. That, that's a really good one. Yeah. I haven't. Uh, I, I mean, um, the uh, old homestead was, was my dad's favorite. Um, now my kids want to go there. Uh, it's expensive, though. It's in, it's in New York. That's really good. I don't really like Nick and Sam's, Jay. I just saw the comment. I don't really, I don't know why. Maybe I had a bad experience of the first time that I went there, but I love Chamberlain's and Papa's is excellent too. Jay's got the, Jay's got the heat. Yeah, Jay's got the heat. I can hold you. Well, Jay can take me to another. Jay will come with us. Jay will come, come with us to Chamberlain's <laughs> when we go. That, that's, that is a, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I have to get a Dallas trip going for a few reasons. And uh, so, but it just hasn't happened. Unfortunately, my schedule lately. Um. Oh. Let me so, know. Let yeah. me know. We'll put it together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, no, that's good. Uh, I just want to. I'm going to just mention the uh, the vengeance. What I'm smoking tonight, and uh, that is sponsored by Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter, and just outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Tailored Smoke is your one stop shop for tailored smoking experience. I actually got up there today for the first time in a while. And 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 Jared, this is from the. This is a box I bought of the Vengeance. Uh, right before um, the 2020 list came out. So it's almost two years old. Uh, and the sweetness on this cigar right now, if you want that broadleaf sweetness to come out, it is coming out beautiful right now with this cigar. Yeah, those age really, really well. Really those good, yeah. Engines. Especially yeah. the Perfectos. I'm not, to, not to get in your grill about no, it. No, it's a good cigar. I love the Perfecto, yeah. But, oh, the Perfectos, those age really well. It's Connecticut yeah. broadleaf ages really well yeah but in this blend i mean i don't know it's it's this is it's not your typical stereotypical um connecticut broadleaf cigar um it's just yeah and like i said the sweetness just if you like that broadleaf sweetness uh that connecticut bro it's, it's just a it's a beautiful smoke um for me at least um I, I enjoy it a lot yeah that's and there's a reason why that's among our best-selling blends that that cigar just sells it looks special it smokes really good and it's, it's instantly, the good thing about us is, I've said a million times, we're, we're not good at naming cigars. We just call it what it is. Um, so our Sumatra is the Sumatra, our Corolla is the Corolla, you know. Um, it's e but, but it is the, easy to identify it, yeah. It is, it is. But that vengeance, you almost, even though we didn't name it broadly, you kind of don't have to ask. I mean, it just, it looks special. It looks rich. And it, and it is, it is. Yeah. I mean, in this I, I didn't know that there were actually this like I think I heard this on Bear's show. There were I always thought there were three incarnations of this. It, there, was, there were four, it, right? There was a fourth one. Bear was saying, Glenn was saying, I think when he interviewed him. Of uh, what do you mean sizes? Oh no, the vengeance. Like there was there was like vengeance, the brand, right? But I think he said there were two versions of the vengeance, and then it became the GC. Yeah, so Signature. there was. There was, so the, the original Vengeance was actually made by Rocky Patel. Okay, and then it when moved. We, this and then was moved. a million years ago. That was the yeah. first premium right. cigar we tried, to, we tried to come out with before the company was Christoph. Right. Um, that was, it was called like the, just called the Vengeance. It had a big green V, big green on, the, v yeah. on the band. And then there was a Vengeance, like natural, which was basically our Criollo, like a Lajero Criollo-y kind of blend. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I can show it to you if you want. Yeah. Uh, if you have an ad read or something coming up, I can 
I can grab it. I can yeah, grab I haven't it. had me coming up. But we can do it when we get back from the break. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can would... show it to you. But those those were uh, commercial failures. Um, those we we had just gotten in, and we had like the Britannia, and we had some other stuff that were like bundle cigars um, that we had come out with originally, and that Britannia name came back and then changed to its now third iteration um, in the shade grown, but the, those vengeance. Yeah. So there was a vengeance, Connecticut, a vengeance Maduro. And then there was this now vengeance, which was a trained name we owned from 18 years ago when we were thinking about substantial equivalents and stuff. Right. right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's right. And then there was, then eventually it, you guys rebranded that as the GC signature. That's right. And the funny story with that is the, um, the, so we had gotten like an 86 in cigar aficionado on the original vengeance, which is like three middle fingers from them. Right. And, <laughs> and, and so we, so we, we, then we came out with the original Kristoff and that started doing crazy stuff and the original Maduro. And we, uh, we were like, what do we do with all these vengeance that we have sitting around? We're like, you know what? We'll change the box, change the band. We'll call it GC signature. And it got a 91 in the next issue of Cigar Aficionado, <laughs> the same exact cigar with a new yep. band. Yeah. So that, that cigar. Yeah, go figure, right? Yeah, go figure. And then, and then obviously you come back with it as Christoph, and I think this one is obvious. This, I think, is the best iteration for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like I said, and this was the first. Was this the first foray into Broadleaf that Christoph had done? Or oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that was it. Yeah, we've never worked with we worked with Connecticut's before, but we had right. never worked with with a broadleaf Connecticut Maduro because it's really expensive and it's really hard to buy. Yeah, um, and because so much of it gets sucked up for everybody else, and and so much of it is earmarked for machine made cigars and stuff like that. Now that we we really wanted to uh, find it, and when we found a good amount of it, because that's the other problem, you can buy a bale of it, but that doesn't help when yeah. you sell cigars in forty countries. You know. Um, yeah. so w- we, we needed to find it in quantity. Um, and we did, and, and now we have a pretty stable supply, um, which is good, but that's going to get increasingly more difficult. So it already has gotten increasingly more difficult to buy, uh, even nowadays. So, yeah, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. So what we'll do is I'm going to do a commercial read. If you want to go grab something, stretch, whatever, yeah. uh, then we'll get into our fun segment and then we'll, we'll talk about some of your work on, the uh pca a little bit of that we'll talk pca talk. yep all Sounds right good all right so um let me mention um our sponsors which i i, I deleted the screen here we go all right i want to first mention jre tobacco the authentic corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there during the golden age discussed cuba it was leaf choice makes one of the world's greatest cigars of course it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate it fell out of favor by the 1990s in the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corolla from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corolla back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE tobacco farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corolla. Now with JRE tobacco, Julio and San Justo bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corolla leaf. You can get the Aladino line in a variety of different blends and wrappers, including the recently released Aladino Classic that represent the Golden Age of Cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company, 
Acaroni Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Avo, La Florida Minicana, Drew Estate, Fuente, Perdomo, Gurkha, and Oliva. They have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Fictional wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstars and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're going to get into an Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. 500 cigars are set afire in this country every minute. A staggering statistic. Wait, that's a good thing. All those folks relaxing with a fine cigar. The trouble is a lot of those cigars aren't worth remembering. They're just plain forgettable. That's why you should pick up an Alec Bradley cigar. You'll taste that baby and say, mm-hmm. I'll remember you, Alec Bradley. We're more at alecbradley.com. So we have Jared back here. Um, Jared, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I have yep. the, uh, I have it. Wow. The vengeance. Yeah. So this is like an ugly Christmas sampler that we did in like, uh, like 12 years ago or longer, probably <laughs> yeah. longer than that. Right. But yeah, so you can see there's the Vengeance Maduro, yep. which is this big green V, yep. and then the Vengeance Connecticut. Yep. Can you see it even? Yeah, we can see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Vengeance Connecticut. And then for Will, if you do decide to come to Dallas, this is the original 2008 mm -hmm. Salomon. From 2008. Wow. I mean, I haven't seen those forever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for you. For nice. a steak at Chamberlain's with Jay and I. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there for sure. So that's great. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun to see that kind of when you, when people bring out some of that older stuff for sure. Um, but Jared, uh, this is a uh, this is our Live True segment. And we just take a break from some of the uh, cigar talk. Uh, and I have, I think I have a series of questions for you. I want to say I have nine questions for you today on this. Um, and none of them are related to cigars. Uh, and none of them are, none of them are, there's one that could be embarrassing, but that will be up to you. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Your first question. I think I gave a couple of these to Jay Davis because he was a board member. So I think I pulled some of the Jay Davis questions into this one. So I, I'm being fair to uh, PCA board members here. Um, there are, but there are a couple I added specifically for you as well. So, all right. First question, a topping on pizza you like besides cheese? Oh, I mean, that's a softball. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I I'm, mean, I'm, pepper, pepperoni. I like, pepperoni. I like Italian sausage. I like Italian sausage. Yeah, probably sausage. I'd probably go with Italian sausage. That's the one that I get the, probably most often. Not here in Texas because they're like the little balls yeah. right, of whatever they are. Yeah. But back back, back home uh, when there's evolved pizza making, um, <laughs> uh, I'll get Italian sausage. All right. So I got a, I got a pizza thing I got to just mention. So I didn't notice. Stogie Santa hadn't told me this. I, when I was driving down uh, to Rhode Island and I'm going through Warwick, 
Uh, I did not know there was Frank, a Frank, Frank Pepe's. I did not know there yeah. was a Frank Pepe's there. I'm like, I'm yeah, what a what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> damn, I ate lunch already. <laughs> I literally go from the airport when John Fozzie, who you know, yeah, uh, used to, when he was my rep in New England. He's out on the West Coast now. Yep. Um, but when he was out in New England, he would pick me up at the airport and he'd be like, "All right, where do you want to eat?" And I would uh, say one of three places. But if we were ever Ever, if we were driving to Boston, we would go to Santarpio's or Regina. Yeah. If we were driving to uh, Connecticut or New York via Connecticut, um, it was Frank Pepe's or Modern or Pep or or whatever. Right um, down there. Right. Um, but yeah, Pepe's right there in Warwick, right on Route Two. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked like Frank Pepe's here. I didn't notice. And so it's he says, like, good. oh, I got it's better places. He's like, I got better places. He's telling me. <laughs> It's just as good if you like that, if you like the New Haven style pizza. There's tons of better places if you like that Rhode Island style pizza, the Greek pizza, yeah, the Greek style pizza. But that's what I miss. You can get fancy pizza out here in Dallas with some dude who got an oven from, you know, his grandmother's grandmother or something like that. Right. But, but and they truck in water from New York. Like, who cares? Uh, you can get fancy pizza. I can make fancy pizza in my house and it tastes like, <laughs> not orders of magnitude worse but that greasy football pizza that you can get in rhode island you cannot get that out here you just no. can't the <laughs> bad i want good bad pizza that's what i want and there's no good bad pizza out here it's Domino's and and i'm sh- everybody's always like oh have you tried this place have you tried that place yeah it still sucks i probably tried 50 places yeah. in the last five years since i moved to texas <laughs> yeah. and marissa and i don't order pizza anymore that's not in our category of things we order really? no i mean uh you know i got older kids and they only the older two remember the pizza in the new york area my younger two have no clue they think domino's is like great it's not bad i said it's, it's decent but i'm like it's not it's nothing like what we were getting in new york so at Frank Pepe's, I got to ask you this question. Um, I, you know what? I, I know they're famous for the clam pie, right? And it's yeah. really good. But that tomato pie they do. Oh, it's the what, best. That's it's the, the best. best. I mean, so that's the good. one to get. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you get the Parmesan, you get Parmesan cheese on it. There's no mozzarella. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so good. The, the tomato pie, I think, is the home run. Because you yep. also don't feel like shit after you eat it. Yeah. You still feel pretty good. Like it's, I mean, it's still pizza. But yeah. I think I think if you like Pepe's tomato pie, Modern's I think is even better. Yeah, it, it is New really Haven. hard to get a good tomato pie. That's why. Yeah, it really is. So, Aaron, if we if you ever make a trip to the Northeast, you're not stuck with a clam pie, is what I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe he wants to be. You can find that too up there. <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's a, that's that's a depending on what kind of night you want to have, I guess. Yeah. 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 But the clam pie and then add bacon. So it's like a Zupa or something Interesting. like that. Interesting, yeah. Like, that's, that's the move. That's yeah. the move. Yeah. But but I was completely shocked. I did not know Frank. I knew Frank Pepe's had st- uh, stores throughout Connecticut. I didn't realize they had one in Warwick. Uh, so, uh, and the parking lot full when I passed by it. It was like a Sunday afternoon. And it was like, oh, yeah. 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 I'm like, wow. So, you go there, get a pizza, and then go to like Joyles or Havana or something like that. Smoke a cigar, watch a game. That's... Yeah. Living. yeah. And then, and then Stogie Santa, he sent me, like, he had to go back to his wife because he was sick. So there's a place in Galilee. He told me to go for seafood. Um, what, Ch- Champlain's? Yep. Yep. Or Champlain's? Yep. Yeah. Champlain's. Yeah, really and then you get the, you get the, uh, 
you'll love this, Aaron. The 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 uh the the clam clam the clam the clam, the clam strip plate with the whole belly plate. clam. So I got the yeah I got the clam strip plate, and then I got a side order of the uh, raw bar. No, that's the way to do it. That's yeah. the way to do it, Aaron. You would absolutely hated it. Yes, I would. <laughs> he hates seafood, so. <laughs> Uh, and like you eat outside and the seagulls are flying around. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Smell that salt water. But all right, Aaron, uh, well, let's, let's get off the seafood. I don't want to get Aaron's in. <laughs> so, so, Jared, this is kind of, we're on the New England theme with these next two questions. What's one thing you miss about New England besides pizza? Um, I guess, I don't know, the fall. Like, yeah, like it's, having it's, like it's a something long, out, nice yeah. fall. And the fall up there is like it's it's amazing. I yeah, mean, it's, it really it's is so nice. Um, but I miss the fall. I miss my friends and family because everybody I know is there. Yeah. Um, but I, I I would probably have to say friends and family just for uh, propriety's sake. Um, but I miss I do miss the fall. The weather here is so brutal in Texas, uh, especially this summer was awful. Um, so yeah, I, I miss having a good two three months where it's chilly and nice and there's no snow, but I would not trade shoveling for that fall uh, for any reason. Yeah. I'm happy where I am. Yeah. You do get winter though in Dallas, but it's like, I guess probably more ice you get. Yeah. It's ice. We had that apocalypse a couple of years ago where everybody was, was dying and stuff, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, nobody knows how to drive here. That's the problem. Well, I drive, yeah. I drive like a, I drive a, a, like a lifted old restored land cruiser, which they do like jihads in the desert with, right. you know, to 400,000 miles. And my truck is like built for off-road and I'm going 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. And I'm getting passed by a 19 year old in a Honda civic who slides through an intersection and hits a pole. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, the last man on earth kind of everybody's trying to kill themselves around you. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know when I was over with Dave, uh, he says, "Yeah, well, I'll drive you guys over to the Nashua store. You come over with me." Right? And he's, "I'll drive," and we go to his car, and I'm figuring we're going to go into like a Cadillac Escalade. Um, you know, uh, I, I he, he always had an Escalade. Uh, or I thought he had an Escalade. Yeah, that's why I, I, he has a Tesla. Oh, he's come. He's come into Dave the future. And, and he goes, let me show you how this goes like the 70. And, and this thing like accelerates like you wouldn't believe he takes it out. Or he goes, he goes, hold on, guys. And he just like puts the acceleration on. And, and he's like, with that DeLorean, I think that made them, <laughs> made a move. Right I never expected him to have a Tesla. I mean, of, of all the guys, you know, he's like an old school guy. I'm figuring, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's there's been many a times going to visit his stores and the weather is terrible, but we know how to drive in the snow up there. No, I know. You know? And, yeah. and I, I've driven dangerous in uh, rear wheel drive cars in middle of the night, going 70 down the highway on, on two inches of snow. And here people can't get out of their fucking driveway. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's- I, I had my neighbor who's a, was, he was like a 50 something year old man. He came and knocked on my front door. He goes, you have any ice? This is during the snow apocalypse. And I'm like, what do you need? I'm like, the fuck you need ice? It's 30 degrees inside my house. You know, I've been out of power for five days or something. I'm like, what do you need ice for? And the guy was like, well, I'm going to lose everything in my fridge if I don't cool it down. I'm like, put it in a tote and put it in your garage. It's 30 degrees outside. Like, what are you talking? Who ties your shoes in the morning? You know? 
like, uh, like, what are we talking about here? But people just don't know how to survive. And it's not their fault. Like, people don't know how to survive in the snow no. out here. Well, but. I mean, I learned quickly because they don't clear the roads. They don't, like, the, the roads don't get salted or anything. So it's one thing to not know how to drive, but there's an inch of snow down here. There's just no such thing as salters on. They only salt the, uh, the interstates and maybe a couple of the federal highways, but that's it. Yeah, we don't have a plow. Yeah. Like, you know, in our yeah. town, you yeah. know, so it's like there's three inches of snow. And if it doesn't get warm the next day, which it usually does and melt, it just gets compacted yeah. and harder to drive on in terms yeah. of ice. And so people think they can just drive on it. And you just I mean, it doesn't matter what you're driving. It doesn't matter how big and stupid your truck is. You Nobody yeah. can drive on ice. Nobody. No, no, you know? no exactly. Aaron, I never asked you this, but do you guys get snow up your area at any time? Uh, we get like a, like a dusting, like once every 10 years, but it's like, it's melting as soon as it hits the ground. So, but like, we're like, we're three hours from, uh, like Tahoe. So we, right. we can go travel. We travel to the snow when we want to go to the snow. Yeah. I think I told you I, in, in like June, I hit a snowstorm on 80 driving, yeah. for, uh, driving to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. So yeah. And that was it, but we were in some high mountains at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. They said that happens a lot up there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right, Jerry, back to New England. What's one thing you don't miss about New England besides the snow? Oh, besides the snow? Yeah. Uh, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably the taxes. Oh, um, yeah. I, I can relate. <laughs> That's and, the, I mean, and the, and like the law, the laws, like just live being there, um, where here you can just do whatever you can just do what you want, you know? Um, and it, you don't feel like the state's out to get you at every chance they get. And there's no state income tax here in Texas, which is great. So, and the roads are nice and like everything is nice, you know, whereas up yeah. there you pull out of your driveway into a pothole and then you never leave a pothole until you get to your destination, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, it's just a nicer place to be. I, but I, the taxes, number one, I don't miss taxes. Yeah, that, that's what got, that's what drove us out of the Northeast. It was the taxes were insane. Oh, um, true. Yeah, I mean, you're talking five digits um, when I left New Jersey in 2008. Yeah, and if you, and buying a house, like we just built a beautiful new house. I've got a cigar room inside. I've got more bedrooms than I know what to do with. Yeah. And it would not buy me a house that you could drive past uh back home you know yeah like so it, it, it's just the quality of life is just much better yeah yeah the um like we had a, like we had a decision to make with the studio here um whether i just converted one of those garage bays to the studio or build out or build like a you and remember that uh when we were at uh steve's house he had that separate area yep Yep. Yeah, that was what we were debating, but I had an HVAC system already built in here, and I opted to just replace the uh, air conditioner and heater in here instead. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. It was cheaper, and it was uh, the only thing is I could get one less car in, but I have it set up where I can pull a car in here uh, if I need to. So, uh, you know, with the ice, we usually pull the cars in the garage or hail. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. got, I got like a, a rabbit air um, that rabbit yeah. air sent me, and then I have a 550 CFM, like, uh, exhaust fan um, with like its own ducting. It's not part of the. I capped off my return for my central air 
and then yep. put a 10 inch flex with its own chimney straight out the ceiling. Nice. So nice. the smoke is gone right away. And this is right in the middle of the house. This is right off of our formal dining area. So um, it's right in the middle of the house and people always come in. They said, I thought you had a cigar place inside the house. And I'm like, I do. And they just can't smell it because uh, the system is really good. And I, I wake up, make an espresso and I sit here and smoke cigars and work for my iPad all day. And yeah. make my calls do whatever i gotta do so yeah that's uh that's what's pretty cool it's, it's interesting because uh that's what i do is I, I i tend to have an afternoon cigar when i work so i just i try not to go too because i saw myself get into a four or five cigar day thing when the pandemic started uh and i'm like eh, I, I, I have to discipline myself a bit so i changed yeah. my whole smoking I smoke i'm surprised you don't have a guy with a uh, like palm fronds blowing the smoke <laughs> away from you <laughs> It could be arranged. <laughs> it could be. I'm looking at my filter here. It looks filthy. It has probably changed. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, next question. A pet that you would want to have besides a dog or cat? Maybe you have one of these already. No, I don't. I have two stupid dogs um, now, but I don't know. Not like a big animal guy. Yeah. Um, we were uh, a pet I would like to have besides for a dog. I don't like birds. I don't like lizards and reptiles. I don't really like anything uh, like that. I don't know, maybe a rhino or something to put in my backyard. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. We we had my dad had tropical fish before he passed, and we had to figure out what to do with these things. And then my cousin ended up taking them. Like he had a like a serious tropical fish tank. So. That's a cool thing to get into. I mean, he was my really into that. My least favorite yeah. animal is a shark. That's my least favorite animal. <laughs> they have no redemptive qualities yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Just pure, pure murderers. That's why yeah. I don't like going in the ocean. Um, yeah. But I would love to have it just, a, that would be sweet, like decor wise, to just have like a column with shark in it in the <laughs> middle of my house. Right, right. <laughs> that yeah. would be just to look at it. That would be cool. That would be cool. Not yeah. good for the shark. I don't think that's a good question. No, definitely not. All right. This is a true or false question. You have played hooky from school. Yeah, true. Everyone's yeah. answered true. Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy yeah. one. Uh, that was the most embarrassing one here on the list. So. Um, so you got off easy. A musical instrument that you don't play that you would like to play. Um and maybe you don't play anything, so it's fine. Too. I don't. I don't. I don't play anything. I. I. I am not like a big music guy either. I know you're a huge music guy. I'm not right. like a huge music guy. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the trumpet, maybe that would hard, be cool. Hard, hard to play, man. It's well, hard. I played the trumpet when I was in uh, like elementary school or something, uh -huh. and then I got braces. Oh yeah, and then it just blows up your lips when you yeah. try to blow the trumpet, which yeah. is not a good look when you're in elementary school trying to not, you know, uh, trying to look cool. And so I stopped playing the trumpet. I remember I did a solo one time at a band concert for when I was in elementary school, and I learned to play the Rocky theme song. Oh wow! Uh, on the trumpet, and I got up to do it, and I went back and sat down, and my buddy who was sitting next to me. I was like, how, how was it? And he was like, it was good. Just maybe play with your mouth instead of your ass next time. All right. I'm going to probably give up the trumpet. I don't think this is for me. Yeah. It, so. They say the trumpet's easier to play when you're younger. It's harder to pick up when you're older is what they say. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've, I, I've been told from people. 
but a cool instrument. All right, so this is related to the state of Texas because you live here now. If you could set the speed limit for driving in your state, what would it be? 80, 80 probably. And there are places in Texas that I've, most I, places. I was going to say really up in Amarillo, I thought I saw some 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are places that are 80 now, but most of the highways are 70 or 75. And you never see people pulled over on the highway because everybody's like pretty comfortable with that. Right, right. Speed limit. But I think 80, just to be able to go 85, that's probably where I live most of the time. But I have a big, my truck is slow, so I'm not trying to get anywhere. It's I just smoke, light a cigar and take my time, get wherever I'm going. So Nice. All right, and this is related to cars as well. Your dream car to drive. Um, my dream car, probably an Aston Martin V12 Vantage. Very nice. Yeah, that's that's a that's a car I've always liked, um, and it's it's dignified. It it it's it's but it's a monster, um, and that's like an unattainable car that I'd like to drive. Yeah. But I, I did always until I had always had sports cars. Um, and then I had always wanted an older land cruiser because mm -hmm. I just think they're cool. Um, and so I, during the pandemic, when like the, the price of the cars went crazy and everything, this was right at the beginning. And I had a sports car and the dealer offered me like five grand more than I paid for it to buy it back from me. Cause it was all wheel drive. Cause I brought it from Boston. Right. And they were like, we, this will be the only one in like 200 miles. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to hook a plow up we'll of this yeah. let, let people yeah. get out of their homes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so they were like, we could sell this in an hour. And I was like, okay, they bought it back for me. And I had my wife pick me up from the dealership and she's like, and she's like, oh, cool. Like you made some money on it. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and she's like, well, what do you drive now? What did you trade it in for? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. no, uh, nothing, uh, I guess is the answer. I don't have a car now. And so I researched and researched and I found an old uh, Lexus LX470, which is the same thing oh, as Land Cruiser, nice. just with yeah. nicer yeah. stuff on the inside. And so I bought one of those. It's like a 2004. It only has, when I bought it, it only had 130,000 miles on it. And I lifted it and put big tires on it and bulletproofed it and got all the rust taken care of and did everything I needed to do. And now that's what I drive. My wife hates it because when we, you know, you go to a steakhouse and valet your car and it's like bentley rolls royce ferrari very old land cruiser with four yeah. warning lights on it because i didn't fix stuff that i spoke you know like <laughs> it's, it's kind of embarrassing but um i i love i love the truck so i that was yeah. something i always had wanted forever that i have now but i think yeah. the aston martin would be my my retirement car very nice very nice and a final question is if you had a reality show what would the title of it be Um, uh, it's gotta be something meaningful to me, probably. Um, I guess, you know what, you, uh, I always say that probably annoys my reps all the time, but you can't teach give a shit. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something my dad always told me and something that I say all the time. So that would be probably my reality. There you go. There you go. All right, Jared, that was good. So I got to do one more uh, sponsor reads and then one more set of sponsor reads and then we can get into the final segment. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, all right. So I want to mention uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. 
Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 112-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City Natural Historic Landmark District of Florida. At this factory, owned at Elver Hole, J.C. Newman was premium cigar by hand and hand-operated machines, including the American. J.C. Newman's Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a brick house. Pillow de Mar, El Baton, Coram, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded the Scar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family brings their own, your own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line in Connecticut, Abano, and Maduro, as well as the La Mandarina and Patrimonial lines. And don't forget the Cuevas Reserva line available in Natural Maduro. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our casa to yours. And we're going to get into our deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There is no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mikorita Tricky Traca. Visit DTT Cigars and find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. And if you heard Steve Saki, he does not sell direct to consumers. So today, <laughs> all right. Um, so, Jared, this is kind of our deliberation segment. It's more industry talk tonight. And, Jared, I wanted to turn our attention because you took on a new role this year um, for as you were elected to the PCA um, Board of Directors. And I want to say, Jared, you're probably a first um, as far as a uh, – I think you're the first manufacturer who's not necessarily a cigar owner to get on the board. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, retailer, non-retail. Yeah, I was trying to look and see in the history. I, I went back. I could unless unless it's someone way back because uh, it was Mike Condor, you know, for for several years, and then um, you know, there's some others, but I couldn't think of one. Yeah, um, I think it's it's mostly brand owners, but I'm not 100 percent sure that that's yeah. that that's the case. But right. yeah. Yeah, it's it's an honor to to have people think that I can help and and be part of it, and um, it's a it's a great organization. And almost immediately, you're you're greeted by the just the scope of of what's going on and how difficult it is to manage through all these things. Um, that it's really easy as somebody from outside of it, even as a manufacturer who is the biggest customer of of the PCA. Um, it's really easy to think and double think about stuff that the organization is doing. But once you get on, on that, that side, you realize how much work really goes into it. And it's really impressive. There's so many really impressive, smart individuals on the board um, that it's really cool to work with. So I'm, I'm really excited. I haven't done anything or been able to, you know, besides for calls and stuff like that, I, I want to take my time kind of, seeing what's going on, but, uh, it's, there's some really smart people on there that I'm excited to work with. So. Yep. Why, why join the board is the first question I asked for you. I mean, I, I, um, I yeah, 
I mean, because it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job being on any board. Yeah, it is. And, and already you get, you know, you get your balls busted by people, um, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of saying like, ah, what are you guys doing? Why can't we why can't we have the show at this Cinderella perfect time of year and blah, yep. blah, blah, exactly where we want it at exactly the time we want it for me, for my store. And it's like, well, we've got, you know, you know, 2000 people, 3000 people that, that we're accountable to in addition to the manufacturers and, and the hotels don't want to work with us because we're smoking. And they're like, oh, that's bullshit. I got a buddy who runs a, a, a convention center, a convention center in Dubuque, Iowa, that yeah. would love to have us. And it's like, ah, you don't understand, you know? So it's, um, I wanted to do it because, um, you know, this is, I've, I've got almost 10 years in this industry. Right. Um, and I've gotten to work really closely with a lot of really good small business people across the country that are constituents of the organization. And I know that what we do and the work we do is really, really important for them. Um, on the legislative side, on the trade show side, on the uh, FDA side, there's nobody else that's working harder for less money than, than the people on this board. And yet they're the first people to get criticized, you know, when uh, anything isn't exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, there's very little spirit of car compromise or partnership um, in, a, in some of these conversations. And you only see the worst ones, right? Like on the internet, people ranting and raving and stuff like that. But the reality is we, I, I have worked with these small business people for over 10 years now or, and it's really important to me that if I had an opportunity to get back and to do something and be part of this conversation, if, if only to have a better understanding of the ins and out of what's going on right. um, so that I could be more educated when I talk about it. Um, so I was asked to run by uh, 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 maybe three or four members on the executive board. Mm -hmm. um, and so I said, okay. Um, and then they did the elections and I, and I won um, against the better judgment of, of uh, the premium cigar association. And uh, so now um, I've gotten a chance to just dip my toe between the first meeting um, at the PCA and then some calls that we've had in between. Uh, but we're just now getting into like these bigger committee calls and things like that where I'll really be able to get into it. So, but I wanted to run to, to help out the people that I, that have been asking PCA for help that the PCA has been helping for such a long time. Yeah, no, um, we were, Aaron and I, when the announcements came on who was running, um, I think we, we, we saw the names and I think Aaron, we both predicted who the two were going to be. Yes. So we actually thought, I mean, we knew her was getting that other spot because we, I didn't see him not getting voted, voted in. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I thought that was, you know, I think you were, I mean, there were a lot of good names on there, so that's not, um, knocking anyone, but, but, uh, yeah, you, I think for sure. Cause, cause Jared, I've known you've always had a, uh, you've had a pretty good pulse on the industry for as long as I know you, um, going back to when we almost brought you into Stogie Geeks as a host. So, uh, <laughs> that, that's, way, I, back. that's that, way back. Yeah. That almost happened that Jared was almost a co-host of mine. And then he took the Christoph job. This is going back 10 years ago. Um, so that was that's a little uh, factoid. And now Jared's an executive vice president for Christoph, and he's on the board of directors. You know, so he's hitting the big time now. 
Uh, but it, I thought, like I said, I, I thought it was a good one. And obviously a lot of people thought, thought the same thing as well. So I think it was a, a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's very little like campaigning, you know, <laughs> it's just, you yeah. just th- throw your name up there, write the bio and then hope that people um, think highly of the, enough of you or uh, to, to have your opinion matter on that, on that board. But it, at the, at its core, it's a retailer organization, right? You know, and as a manufacturer, I'm lucky to be a, a part of it in any sort of way, because it really, the constituents are the retailers. So you've kind of got to take your manufacturer hat off a little bit in some of these conversations and think, okay, what do my customers care about? You know, there might be something that, that isn't, uh, you know, like a Goldilocks fit for me, but is really, really, really good for the people that drive my business. And so it's, uh, it's really important to that, that everybody who's on the board, you know, and the retailers don't have a problem remembering it's a retail organization, but the manufacturers, it's, we're happy to have a few seats and to be part of the conversation. Yeah. That's good. uh, That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, the, you know, it's funny you mentioned, um, the, uh, well, I'll, I'll mention the location of the trade show. I just, <laughs> Aaron knows this. We were in the, the media press conference and it, you know what all the questions were about? It wasn't about the 2022 show. It was about, everyone was wondering about the 2024 show, like where it's right. going to be, where it's going to be. Right. Um, I, I was, I, I, I was a little, like frustrated actually by it. Well, it's two years out, mm-hmm. but I guess a decision does have to come for this pretty soon because it's sooner than we think. So when does that decision, do you know when that decision is going to be made? If you could say that, I don't want to put you in a position where you can't say anything about it. No, I, uh, I can tell you that it's a major topic on every single, if yeah. not the major topic on every yeah. single call that we have um, in the trade. So trade show committees start meeting, um, and, and talk all the time. The executive board talks all the time. Right. And, and our liaison uh, with these trade shows um, is constantly, it, with these venues, is constantly working with these people. And we're getting multiple quotes from multiple places from multiple times a year. But what, what I think the most important thing to understand is there is nobody that wants to have a perfect trade show more than we do, right. you know, more than the PCA does. So we all of the feedback is heard, and that's why I think this year you've seen us asking for a lot more feedback from the members um, in terms of what's more important to you, time of year or location of trade show. Um, you know, what about Vegas? What about New Orleans? What about so we're exploring every option. It is the biggest topic of conversation on every call that we have, and uh-huh. um, I think we to to your point, Will, and to what what people were talking about. That's what we're looking to. We're looking ahead right. to not next year, but, and obviously next year is important and we pay attention to that stuff right. too, but we've got to look uh, forward and, and do the right thing for the, for the industry. So um, yeah, we're deep, we're deep in it, deep, deep in it. I can oh. tell you. Okay. So I'll put you on the spot here. Is it more important location or time of the year? Well, the retailers were split. Um, the retailers and the manufacturers were split on a lot of, on a lot of these things. Um, the, the, the biggest thing that everybody loves about the trade show, and I'm sure you two can probably agree is the fact that we're all in one place and we're all together. And, um, afterwards we can all meet up and have a drink and be in the same place. So 
the camaraderie is really important. So we just have to make sure um, that locate location, I think, is is the most important thing uh, for from my perspective. Yeah. Um, for for the trade show, time of year is important uh, for a lot of people in terms of the way that they do business. You know, their buying cycle, the manufacturer's ability to produce and ship product, competing trade shows, which which uh, really we more or less can't weigh in. Right. Right. Um, but we, we have to consider if you're if you're an engaged PCA member, if you're an engaged retailer and you're attending all these different trade shows and taking advantage of every buying opportunity that's given, what makes the most sense for you? So um, I don't know that it's mutually exclusive, Will, to answer right. your question, Okay. whether whether time of year and location. But I think the key is finding somewhere where we can all be together at a time of year where the buy them makes the most sense for the retailers. Um, and that's, that's what we're trying. We're trying to find a situation where we don't have to compromise, sure. um, you know? Yeah. And it's a tough, I know it's a tough one because there's only so many places that can do this. Yeah. It's capacity. It's cost. It's like, people are saying like, Oh, why don't we do it a month earlier? Well, because the sands won't let us do it a month. Right. Earlier. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, they will give us this one week every year and that's all we can do. And, and, and so, because they don't, you know, I don't know that they don't want us there, but they certainly don't want us there um, in the prime trade when instead of Microsoft or something like that, you know, so it's like, we've got a lot of considerations and we're handcuffed because of the nature of the business that we're in. So could we do it in Dubuque, Iowa, your cousin's convention center? Yeah, we probably could. Um, But would it work? Do they have the space? Do they have the facilities? Do they have all the things that we need? And do people give a shit to take a vacation um, from their store to a place like uh, the middle of nowhere? No, probably not. You know, so we've got to do what's best for everybody. And, and what we're focusing on now is is finding a solution that doesn't compromise the right time of year with the right venue. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I, what I can what I can tell you is it, we're looking for it to not be the same old, same old uh venue location kind of stuff we we would love to continue to do it there but but um we don't know we don't know what's happening yet so but we're like i said we have committees focused on getting in the weeds on this stuff um so it's it's something we don't want to compromise we want to have the we want to put the best product out there for the retailers you know i've heard you mentioned the like cousins convention center or i've heard some things like uh outside on a football field uh, getting a warehouse. I, I don't know, Garrett. I just don't think those are options because, I mean, the way these products, are, these, are, these are premium products, the way they're displayed. Uh, and I look at the Kristoff booths. It's, it's always a, a, a really nice booth. I don't know if you can put this on an outdoor football field. You know, it, it, I don't know. No, that these are, the yeah. people saying shit like that are the people that yeah. have absolutely no clue. Yeah. What what's going what's really what's really going on? I mean, right. we need to yeah. have accommodations. We need to have um, uh, facilities. We need to have all of these things. Nobody wants to go to a chicken farm uh, to to do a trade show because as as much as it's we need to have places that we can all go and get together and do business and go to dinner and it's got to be easy and convenient. Yeah. And there's not a lot of places that fill that like like there really aren't. Uh, yeah. that will even have us. You know, yeah. there might be a lot of places that fill that, but they won't, but they won't have us. So, um, like I said, we're working hard and I, and truly, uh, if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't know, uh, I don't know enough 
um, yeah, right. to, to really speak right. super educatedly on the process. Right. I've, I've been privy to the conversations that since July, you know, sure, and this sure. is something that they've worked on for years. Yeah. So um, I might not be the best person to ask about these particular things. Is the final decision come down to the board? It's not necessarily yeah. this feedback. So the board is still going to make this final decision, which is, I think, good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a consensus thing. And everybody, you know, the good thing about these calls is there's a lot of it's not just, um, you know, people blindly agreeing with other people. It's right. there's a lot of feedback that gets passed around. There's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of, of people advocating for for what they think is right and what the right thing really is. But at the end of the day, all of us, everybody um, on that board wants to put forth the best product that we possibly can. So that's the most important thing for the retailers. Right. Right. So let's go back to the 2022 show. What were your impressions of it? Uh, now that you're a board member, how do you think the show went? Yeah, I think it was outstanding. Um, it was the best, the best attended trade show since like 2015. Um, we had, um, and an unbelievable turnout. The energy was really good uh, from a manufacturer standpoint. Um, we had an outstanding trade show this year. Um, so I was really, really happy with that. And I think, I think everything went really well. I, I don't think we could have asked for a better product this year. We beat all forecasts. Um, uh, it, it was a really healthy and positive step um, yeah. after last year's kind of doom and gloom right after the exit of, of everybody and, you know what I mean? It, yeah. This just felt, it felt really good this year. How about, how about the COVID outbreak? Yeah. I mean, I got COVID, okay. uh, uh, I think five or six of my salespeople got COVID. Um, it was tough. Uh, I know, um, I didn't know until I had COVID that there, that there was uh, COVID going around. I, uh, but using the wrinkly part of my brain, I assumed that people were going to get COVID. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just like, yeah, super obvious that you got an industry where everybody hugs each other and, and smokes and drinks and, and shares everything and sits in front of each other's faces, literally blowing aerosols at each other the entire <laughs> time that people were going to get COVID. I mean, uh, I think if it was a animal petting convention, somebody would have gotten COVID. So I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to do besides for all high power houses. So um, I'll, I'll give you one critique I had. And Aaron knows I'm going to say this. So my critique was I thought the I thought PCA should have informed people that there were cases. And my my rationale for it is one is I think it helps with transparency. But I think the second thing is and I heard this from the international people is the international people were very worried about getting home because of, um, you know, they have restrictions coming into the country and they, they could be quarantined at some really bad places. That <laughs> right, was the they one. went to yeah. Vegas in July. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like, that's wild. That's like walking into a pizza place and yeah. complaining. But, but, but there like wasn't pizza. a COVID outbreak last it's, year. That's the one thing I'll say. There wasn't one last year, Jared. That's there was no, one this year. No. Yeah. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. But, you know, dirty, dirty people are out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, like I—I yeah. I mean, I'm not, and I don't want to be dismissive because, but no. like, I, I'm just saying, like, it's kind of wild to not think 
that something like this was going to happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, you had a lot more people at the show this year than the previous year. And the strain at this point is just, it's milder, but it's way, it's, each one is way more super contagious. Yeah. Yeah, So you just kind of, it just went along. And Uh, I don't know that you're hearing anybody like now really saying that they're, they have COVID, right? Like when was the last time somebody told you they had COVID or, or someone died. Thank God. No one died. Yeah. It sounds like so, which yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was interesting. I think last year the surge happened right after the trade show. I think it happened maybe a couple weeks earlier this time. And there was a summer surge last year, too. And it seemed like it died down earlier this year. So the curve bumped up a bit more. Um, but you make another good point, Jared. And, and this, I had this conversation with my wife. I, I said this is a it's not it's there's another degree to this trade show. I said this industry likes to hug. They really do. And yeah, touchy, touchy, touchy people. And, and the amazing thing, Jared, I hugged people who had COVID and I didn't know and I didn't get sick. So I, 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 I don't know what to say. I know my time's coming. I'm going to get this, but I haven't gotten it yet. So, yeah, uh, and I I'm, travel, I'm not going to wait. Yeah. 200 days a year, you know, and, and this is the that is the first time that I've gotten COVID. Yeah. It was after this trade show. Um, and it. I wa- but I wasn't surprised at all. After yeah. all of the degeneracy and immunocompromising things that happens during the week, that course of that week, the drinking and the not sleeping and all those different things. And I sat on the uh, plane. I sat on the plane next to um, people that I knew. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like the, like the wife was coughing the entire time. And I'm like, oh, I'm 100% going to get COVID. Right. Like I was like, I, and then I got home and two days later I felt like crap and I tested myself and I literally, you know, it says like, leave the test for 15 minutes or whatever. And then, and then I didn't even have to like, almost like I I went and filled my water and then I turned back and the line was there. I'm like, oh shit. I I got pretty, pretty good. I got COVID in pretty good. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't, I don't I, think it's that surprising. I think my time is coming is what I keep saying to people because I just lucked out. Um, we had people at the media compound this year who had it. I mean, and we were with them. And uh, um, it, like I said, I hugged people who had it. Like it, it, I was spit on by someone who had it. <laughs> it was someone I got, you know, that's a like, classic cigar. I got people spit, don't go to like I an got engineered components at, convention and get spit on. I got you know, there's a guy who spits and talk. I got I, the one time I went to Bar Luca was the night before everyone else got in. And I'm talking like the spit comes. I'm like, dude, back off. I'm like, <laughs> and this guy got it and I didn't get it. So and I, I tested like I wasn't even like, you know, asymptomatic. I, I didn't I, I went for I went for the regular tests, you know, the PCR tests and all that. And I didn't get it. So I'm like, I, I lucked out is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Well, and yeah. I do that even still, even still, even now that, you know, it's quote unquote kind of like over yeah. or at least caring about it is over. Um, I and before I get on a plane, I do a, I do an at home test because yeah. I don't want to be the guy that flies yeah. to somebody and, yeah. and to an event or something like that yeah. and gets people sick. So even though, you know, it's still something that, you know, I care about and I don't want to be sick, but um, I try to take the reasonable precautions, but I think it's insane to not think that somebody was going to get it you know well, there wasn't a there wasn't I, a trade show in vegas that yeah. ever happened in in the last two years that's 
there wasn't COVID at. Well, last year it didn't happen. Like I said, it didn't happen at PCA last year. I'm you that in this way that you would have yeah, heard about. This, right. it, there may have been I'm, cases that you didn't hear about. I'm sure because while we were doing the trade show, they said everybody can take their masks off. And then by the end of the week, they said, everybody take, put your mask back on. Okay. So it's, I'm not, maybe not in a way that you heard about, yeah. because, but yeah. I, I'm sure that people, people yeah. stay getting COVID, you know? Interesting. Yeah. The, uh, but no, I, like I said, I, I agree. I thought it was a, a better trade show. Um, overall um or are some things that you think could be improved with the trade show that maybe you guys are looking at and what what would me you have any, if you want to share what some of those things are no i i think um i think that there's always stuff that every year when we debrief and and talk about it there there's i'm sure people who have been on the board for years uh have this conversation we did as well you know stuff that we could do better yeah. um and it's, and, but the good thing is this year, it's generally like pretty innocuous stuff, you know, like, uh, right. I agree. Like, it's not like, like yeah, food, like food. We would have liked the food to have been better. And the beer service that we went around to the booths with afterwards could have been better. And there's, but everything this year was fairly innocuous. And, but there, it is a, every year, there's a great deal of conversation around improvement and what we could do. But this year was, uh, as far as these trade shows go, this year was one of the better ones we've had in a long time. So fortunately, there's not a ton of stuff to to criticize. No, I agree. And I think there's some things you guys did very well. Uh, I think like the concept of what Fuente did was really good. When you have a line like that for people getting into a seminar, that was a great positive going into the show. And I thought the PCA lounge area was a great idea. That I think that was one of the best improvements that you made. And I think, you know, you, you guys were leveraging that with some of that, the happy hours. I thought that was a good move. Those two things I thought were big positives there. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is to build engagement and, and build the experience of being at the trade show above and beyond just yeah. walking around, yeah. you know. Um, but there's, there's, like I said, there's a, a lot of smart people working on um, those value adds and, uh, yeah, and stuff like that. But the, everything, pretty much everything, was fairly innocuous this year, which is good. Yeah, that's good. All right, uh, Aaron. Anything else on the trade show you want to hit with Jared? I'll, I'll hit a couple of the other items. No, go ahead. All right. So I think there's a couple of items, Jared, that you probably, as a board, are also um, going to be meeting a lot on. And I guess the first one is on responsible marketing here. Um, where does that kind of stand with the PCA's efforts to kind of enforce responsible marketing? And that's idea of not marketing the children, you know, making sure we don't market the children. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge priority for us in terms of building our uh, legislative and advocacy strategy going forward. Um, we get uh, a lot of uh, advocacy briefs and things like that, um, starting with um, responsible trade marketing and self-policing. And I think the more accountable we are as an industry, to enforcing these things, the, the less accountable will be held to enforcing yeah. these things by the regulatory bodies. So right. um, I think um, given the win, the huge win that we had uh, right before the trade show with the FDA and how they now have to review the uh, advanced notice for public rulemaking and, and all these other things in the public comment sections, um, I think given that opportunity to kind of go back to stage one uh, with all these things, 
we're, we're doing a lot. So just, just this week, reaching out to the center for tobacco products, um, and, um, kind of briefing them on our legislative issues and what we're working on. But we, we are a hundred percent focusing on in our advocacy strategy, working through a lot of these, uh, self-regulation and responsible marketing initiatives, um, so that we can present instead of going to them and saying, yeah, we know, you know, we right. gotta not do that or, or even going to them and saying, we don't, we, we, we have responsibility to give the PCA members, mostly manufacturers, um, kind of a workbook to say, these are the things you should avoid. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it is discussed a lot and it's become part of our advocacy strategy moving forward. Yeah. And it has been a part of that. It has been a part of that. Yeah, before. I was gonna ask the question on, on the meeting with uh, Dr. King from the Center of Tobacco Products. And I don't know how much you can come, but one thing I didn't see in the announcement was this was a plan presented to him on the strategy? That's kind of what I'm on. Was our plan saying, look, we're not just saying this. This is our plan. Was that communicated to the? No, this was an introductory okay. uh, type of meeting where uh -huh. you know we were meeting with them and, and presenting yep. um, our uh, issue set and our legislative initiatives and kind of explaining the the different challenges that our industry has. Right. Um, uh, re regarding uh, the way that they're that we're being regulated, right. or or the proposed ways that we're being regulated. Right. Uh, so this was an introductory meeting, but there are more meetings to come okay. where uh, we will flesh out a, a plan. But we have we have filed uh, memos and stuff like that, uh, outlining the fact that we that we are developing a strategy. And we do have a strategy okay. on that behalf, but so but it would definitely be better for somebody that was on the legislative committee. Um, to comment on those things. But I, I do know from the, the overviews and the memos that I see that uh, it is a big part of our, okay. of our advocacy strategy. That's good. That's good. But this was an introductory meeting to introduce the issue set. Okay. And, and yeah. It sounded like there was a positive mood out of it. Um, would you say that? Even though like, I didn't hear a lot accomplished on it, but it sounded like there was, they were encouraged by the meeting. It didn't seem like they were discouraged by the meeting. How would you assess that? I do, I, I do not know. Okay. I do not know. I I I, uh, I haven't uh, the you know the committees all meet. Uh, I think on mostly on Tuesdays. I think uh -huh. um, so. Um, we've got calls coming up like literally next week, like in a few days, um, to review these things. But um, I think the feeling anytime that we get to present our agenda and start building a coalition with some of these regulatory bodies i think it is positive so okay. um but it, it felt like we got our points out and i'm not 100 percent sure um what the feedback back was okay probably more to come with that mm -hmm. okay sure okay so the last question i have and this is maybe something that's a newer thing and i don't know i haven't heard anything from pca on this yet so i've been hearing this for months you know there's a lot this is rumor mill but then there was some sources that cited uh, that there may be some potential um, trade restrictions coming out of coming with Nicaragua. We don't know what the degree of those are yet. I mean, I've heard everything from a tariff like they did with the sugar to a full blown embargo um, to something maybe in between. Is PCA kind of starting to gear up for that piece as well? Because that could be, a, you know, something later this year. 
as far as that yeah, I, goes. I've heard about it. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure I haven't. Okay. Um, but I've just started seeing, I've heard rumors about it like you have. Um, and I've just, I've just, but the, the stuff that I'm involved in, um, isn't that stuff. Okay. So I, 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 I truly don't know. So that's um, but I, team. Okay. I, but I would, I would imagine, um, if something like that was forthcoming, um, that, that we would, we would be involved in it because the, that does affect the membership in a, in a pretty meaningful yeah, way yeah. and the manufacturers in a meaningful way. So, yeah. um, but I'm not sure I, I haven't been privy to okay. uh, conversations about that yet. Okay. No, I was just wondering, it, it, I think it's something you're going to start hearing more and more about. I, there were a couple of stories that came out and I don't know how credible the sources were is what I've been telling people back other than I've been hearing this talk. Not recently. I've heard it for about, I was hearing this stuff back in February. So it's not new. It wasn't really new, but this is the first time I think a couple of, there were a couple of sources out there that, that, that were, were saying something's coming, but again, I, it wasn't, I can't judge the credibility of those sources is what I'm saying. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah. everybody's, everybody's an expert in everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. it's un, until, until you hear yeah. um, from yeah. like the president, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like it's probably, it's probably, there that That's I imagine enough. that would be very confidential information too. It's like, you know, if you're looking at these types of things, this is not something that leaks out. Um it could. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I don't know. So I, I my answer is I don't know what my answer is I'm not saying the sources are bad sources. I don't know the credibility of those sources. Um well they, they aren't yeah credible. Yeah. That, <laughs> because because uh there's articles on the internet about it too. Yeah, so that's kind of where I said their, the internet. Their, their, their source internet. is another place that has another source right, right, that's speculating right. that something's going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. eventually. So yeah, yeah, exactly, not, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So, Jared, we are at the end of the show this week. We didn't keep you for four hours. Already. <laughs> yeah. How about that? <laughs> this so is, this is good. If it wasn't for the late start time. This would be this has flowed marvelously. Well, you know? the West Coast, the West Coast audience appreciates it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, um, it, it's funny because we did this, you know, Aaron's on the West Coast. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of these shows start earlier. So he can't really do that. Right. Because he's got like a family and a day job. But the late actually start has worked really well for me is what I could just say. Um, uh, and this is what I'm doing. What is anybody doing at this time? Right. I mean, sitting down, smoking a cigar. So yeah. this is exactly what I would have been doing. Exactly. exactly. So. Um, but um, yeah, Jared, thank you so much. I mean, you've been a great friend over the years. It's, it was great to have you back on mm-hmm. uh, all the great things happening with Christoph. Um, and now what you're doing with the PCA. We appreciate you greatly. Yes. No, I appreciate being on and, and you guys are, are some of the good ones out there. So no, we appreciate keep up it. the good work and, and uh, get out to Dallas, get out to Dallas. I, yes. I know I have to. I have to eat. We had a Dallas trip last year planned and then yep. it got squashed with COVID. So, well, like I said, even if you want, even if you, I, I've got bedrooms out the ass and a cigar room and, and like five warm humidors. So there you are go. more than welcome. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. We'll take over. There's nothing. There's nothing. Need to take over the Trudeau compound. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If, yeah. The Trudeau media compound. Yeah. You're, you're more than welcome. Uh, and I don't know if Fabergé eggs like Will does in his sitting room or anything like that. So I got no. nothing, nothing that's worth stealing. For Will uh, Cooper, so. I have to, you have to be bonded to come in my, that room. Yeah. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. But uh, thanks again. Um, some programming notes on uh, next week. Uh, full slate of shows um, on primetime Monday night. Uh, we have the jukebox show. Uh, Dave Burke and I are going to be going through uh, albums, the first songs and albums, looking at first tracks on albums. Um, so that will be on Monday. And then on Tuesday, uh, Bear and I are going to be doing a show on samplers. Seth is joining that show. And uh, this, this was like an idea inspired by Seth, who was talking about samplers with us, and then we recruited him for a show. There you go. Uh, so we'll be doing that on Tuesday, uh, breaking down samplers, which I think uh, is turning into a very interesting discussion we've been having. And then on Thursday next week, uh, there will be a show. And uh, we just got word uh, Matt Booth is going to be the guest. So um, just put your seatbelts on for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm glad he only has a week to prepare for that. So, yeah. uh, But all good. But uh, uh, Aaron, anything else before we wrap up? No, all set. All right, Jared, thanks again. Thanks to our audience uh, for tuning in. This is going to wrap up primetime episode 240 into the annals of history for Thursday, September 8th. Now Friday, September 9th on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys. See ya. Thank you.